Hello, welcome to Interdependent Study, our podcast where we engage in the learning and unlearning work for social justice and collective liberation. I'm Aaron. And I'm Damien. Thank you so much for joining us today. For those new to our podcast, Interdependent Study is meant to be a space and community for folks who believe in and want to do the work of social justice. Each week, we'll bring something new to the table and discuss our thoughts and feelings about it through the lenses of who we are and where we can go for a more just society. We want interdependent study to be a space where we're always learning with one another, hence the name. Yes. Uh, and Damien is up this week, <laughs> so what are you bringing to the table today? I am. All right. So this week, as you probably know, because uh, you watched it, <laughs> I brought a documentary to the table. We're supposed us. to watch a documentary? Oh, no. Surprise. Oh, no. <laughs> watch it really quickly. Okay. Um, the, the documentary is called The Price of Freedom, mm-hmm. um, which debuted last year on HBO Max. And so um, if you haven't had a chance to watch it yet, like Aaron, uh, you can go do that right now. Uh, we'll take a quick pause and be right back. Um, but I really would encourage, uh, in all seriousness, I would encourage folks to, to watch it because I just think there was so much to learn from it, right? Like, and I, like I... I learned a whole lot of things from this from this yeah. documentary, um, and I don't know if you remember this. I just kept thinking about you throughout it because you said that you thought this might infuriate us. Oh yeah, I absolutely remember that. <laughs> that's, that's, that was going to be the first thing I said today. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. It it and uh, uh, I, I, I know you, so I know it infuriated you. It infuriated me um, to no mm-hmm. end. So you were spot on about that. Um, but I think particularly with like everything that was shared about the NRA as an organization, its evolution as an organization, the power hold that it has over our country um, and what has happened in the country um, was uh, particularly maddening. Yeah. Um, but to take a step back, the documentary itself really sort of takes a comprehensive look at the gun violence epidemic in this country, right? And um, as I just talked about, like the role that the NRA has played in that epidemic throughout mm-hmm. the history of uh, the organization um, and sort of all the activism, I guess really on both sides, um, but obviously there's a particular focus on uh, what I would call the right side of history, um, sort of what has taken place around this issue of, of gun violence in this country. So mm-hmm. um that's sort of a, a quick synopsis. I think uh, I read the film description last time, but these two sentences of it, I think, really say it all. Uh, it says, the NRA believes the deaths of innocent Americans are a necessary price to pay for the freedom to own firearms without restrictions by manipulating the narrative around guns and backing politicians who commit to upholding their agenda. The NRA has cost us far more than we realize. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Yeah, um, I think with that, where do you want to start, as you uh, alluded to, being very angry about this? Yeah, um, it's, uh, you know, I was correct. It was was rage-inducing. Yeah. Uh, I think, um, you know, their complete disregard for any kind of self-reflection uh, from the NRA leadership, both who were sort of interviewed and involved in the film. Um, there were some other like sort of gun organizations that were also represented yep. um, who just w- were sort of in the same boat, I think. Um, now their, stu- their stubbornness is, is astonishing. Yes. Um, and, you know, I can say that as a stubborn person. <laughs> um, right. <laughs> you, yeah. Um, so their disregard for you know what it is that their policy positions uh, mean is 
really hard to wrap your mind around. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing that happened for me is so it's rage inducing. The other thing that happened is I, I cried a couple times while watching it um, because of some of the footage they show is just so um, moving. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, part of that is I lost my dad to gun violence. Um, and then the scenes of the kids running out of the schools, right. running for their lives is heavy for me, too, since I have a daughter in school. And so it's those like sort of confluence of, of events. Um, so it was heavy in, especially in those moments where people are talking about loved ones that they've lost or, um, sort of seeing the, the news footage happen, um, of, of different shootings. Um, but I, I did appreciate it because it did such a good job of laying out the history of how the NRA, um, has shaped the issue of gun violence in this country, um, and their political stances and tactics and, and the many ways that it's sort of shaped the world that we're living in today. Yeah. At least in in regards to guns, but I think to some extent, you know, even bigger than that, they talked about the ways that the NRA was directly really involved in um the Reagan election. Yeah. Um and then also Trump. Yeah. Um more recently. Um so yeah, there it's 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 not just guns. They're taking guns and turning that into a bigger cultural issue as well. So yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot in it that that was, um, I appreciated learning about. Yeah, I think even if it brought me to tears or, or yeah, moved me. To and I and I appreciate you sharing that. I did think about you multiple times uh, through it, and uh, particularly for me, the piece around just um, watching some of that archival footage and being reminded of yeah. you know incidents like Sandy Hook or. Um, you know, obviously I wasn't alive when that, um, what was it? UT Austin mass shooting took place. I mean, all of these, uh, parkland, right? Like all of these, um, sort of just being reminded of, of that and watching children, um, run out from schools, uh, mm-hmm. and sort of the, the terror, uh, that surrounds those incidents is really just so sad. Um, and so there, there was a lot of sort of, I think, power in being reminded of those incidents, right? And and sort of speak to the power of the NRA. But mm-hmm. I, I also appreciate um, what you said around sort of their influence on policy, right? It being yeah. sort of this, um, there's this stubbornness in which they r- respond to these incidents. And there's this mm-hmm. um, way in which um, the, the influence that they've had on policy is just um, so terrible. Um, but I, I'm with you in the sense that I feel like I, I learned so much from the documentary in terms of like the history and the evolution of the NRA. Right. And, yeah. and sort of the, the true depths of the NRA's control over our government and, um, our government's both, I think actions and inactions, um, as it relates to, to gun violence in this country. Um, so this piece around seeing the NRA's rhetoric and, 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 and actions, I think, um, at certain pivotal moments in our country's history was really fascinating, right? Yeah. And, and not in a good way. Um, like, but going back to sort of their efforts to lobby against what President Johnson was trying to do at the time to push for stronger gun laws back in the 1960s after all these high-profile assassinations. And as I just mentioned, that mass shooting at UT Austin, which was, I think, one of like the first mass shootings of its of its kind that we know today. Um and then sort of fast forwarding that to sort of what they did to call for armed security in schools, right? And mm-hmm. um, 
what is that man's name? It's now escaping Wayne me. Lapierre. There it is. Him sort of standing at that their conference or whatnot, saying the this horrible thing. The only thing that stops a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. Um, and that was in response to uh, Sandy Hook, mm-hmm. um, that of course killed twenty six people, including twenty children. Right. Yeah. Um, I, and then you know we're even sort of seeing what's happening now right in our in our present day right um and so i just think it's so disturbing and you alluded to this right that um, the ways in which this organization has evolved um and 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 um the ways it has stood in the way of our safety and our progress yeah right um sort of progress in terms of what's taking place um and what was taking place back in the 60s when folks were fighting for social justice and equal rights and sort of their uh, their concerns there about that. Um, mm-hmm. And also sort of what has taken place in terms of our safety, in terms of this, this epidemic that we're in and just can't quite escape. Yeah. Uh, I think, um, you know, you talked about the evolution of the NRA. I thought I was um, sort of fascinated by that history of sort of the origins of the of the organization yes. being more about sort of uh, marksmanship and the yeah. sort of sporting Sports. aspect of yeah, like the sporting of it. You know, yeah. I'm I'm shooting to aim at something on a range. Like it's yes. not about and maybe that's related to like me hunting later or you know something yep. like that. Um but they had um you know this shift in history and one of the things I found interesting is this this through line of people in the NRA who were radical individualists yes. in their beliefs. Um, and the first was Harlan Carter, mm. um, who believed that the Second Amendment uh, basically was a sacred right for yes. an individual to carry and own a gun. Um, you know, and, and from there, he uh, left the NRA after because the, the I guess the, the NRA's opposition to that law you mentioned yep. um, from President Johnson was pretty. I guess lukewarm, mm-hmm. um, where they a lot of the organization was like, yeah, we don't care, like it's fine. Yep, it's not going to impede on our ability to shoot targets on exactly. the range and like practice our marksmanship what or whatever. This is about. Yeah. Um, and he was severely opposed to that. He left the NRA for a period. He came back and essentially took it over yes. um, through some sneaky means in the voting process, which I guess at the time just happened at their regular convention. Yeah. So he brought a bunch of his friends yep. who supported him with yeah. him uh, and sort talked of. to them on, on walkie-talkies and told them how to vote. Yeah, out in the open. Out really? in the open, yeah. yeah. Um, and the, the um, I forget the historian who was talking about this, the person oh. who's like sort of looked into the NRA and, their, and the history of their organization, um, talked to, called them the old guard. Yes. Didn't know how to react. They didn't have a, a they weren't expecting it, didn't know how to no. react in the time. So all of them basically got replaced by Harlan Carter and his uh, cronies, um, and that basically led to the NRA we know today. Yeah. Um, where you know they have this current really hyper politicized status. Yeah. Um, of the sacred right of owning a gun, which um, you know, and in, in terms of a, a legal analysis, is only as recent as like two thousand something. Um, I forget what, but it was a Supreme Court case yes um in response to i believe a washington dc handgun law that restricted handgun use or ownership right um which was overturned because the second amendment means the individual has a right to vote according to the supreme court of the united states right now Mm -hmm. um which is you know a farce um 
But the other thing that you said was talking about the social justice movement of the 60s. Yeah, let's talk about that. And the right? ways that the NRA was like involved in the response to that. So, you know, the the white power structures saw that violence and crime were increasing, at yep. least in the ways that they described those things there it is. Um, as violence and crime. Um, and they scapegoated black people for that. So yes. the NRA was actually for some gun control, right? Like they helped draft the Mulford Act in California, which was a direct response to the Black Panther Party and their use of guns in demonstrations. Um, so that's that's the piece um, that I think is also interesting is like they're, they're for gun control sometimes, mm -hmm. um, which is also tied to a, a long history um, of restricting um, black folks from being able to um, defend themselves or, or have the same kind of weapons that white folks use to um, or have used in the past to um, as tools of oppression for black people. Well, and also sort of um, being in opposition to black people sort of stepping into and realizing their full rights, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that's the other piece that was so fascinating, this idea of of, of what you said and this idea that folks, uh, black folks can't have those same rights and don't deserve those same rights. Um, but I think the other thing is just at the whole time that whole section was happening around um, when they talked about the history of and their opposition to the Black Panther Party and, and black folks is that there's just nothing scarier to uh, these sort of radical white men than a black person with a gun, right? right? Um, and so um, there is so much in this that is wrapped up in all the things that we talk about when we talk about um, power and oppression. Um, that was, that was again, I hate the word fascinating because <laughs> there's a, to me, there's a positive connotation to that, but yeah. it's, 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 it's not. Um, mm -hmm. and so all of that, like even the Mulford act, right? Like, and their role in that, that's just stuff I didn't know. Um, yeah. so there's so much in this to, to learn, uh, about and, uh, however much it, it hurts. One of the, uh, speaking of things that hurt, <laughs> mm. um, I think there was just so much in this film you talked about sort of um, getting emotional. It got me to just thinking about some of the the stats that were presented in this film, right? And sort of um, both, it got me both emotional, but also this feeling of sort of helplessness yeah. um, uh, and thinking about the the sort of scale and the magnitude of this, of this epidemic, right? And so two of the stats that I wanted to pull out, the first was that you are 25 times more likely to die from gun violence in the United States than in any other developed nation in the world. Yep. 25 times more likely. Um, that's and a lot. That's a lot. Uh, the other stat, uh, which I, I flashed on the screen at the very end of the film, was 39,000 Americans die from gun violence every year, which averages out to 100 people per day, right? Yeah. So just, uh, you know, and I, I, I think one of the things I sat with in that moment was, not, not that we've not had other sort of things that have happened in our lifetime, but th just thinking about COVID, right? And sort mm -hmm. of the mass death that we have witnessed over these two and a half, three years as it relates to COVID and right. And watching people just perish um, from COVID, right. To think about a hundred people per day because of this sort of this senselessness, no, no, there's no need, right. Like for this to happen, right. This tremendous loss of life um, that I think is uh, really and truly preventable. Um, and so I think, so that, that gave me all of this pause. I think the other thing uh, related to this is that despite all of this death, as we have talked about here right now, is like like the, the NRA has this power, 
right, to make this happen and to keep this being the status quo, right? As you talked about, yeah. to hold up the Second Amendment as rationale for not doing anything to stop this violence from happening in this country, right? And and as we sort of just alluded to, right, like the fact that gun violence and, and white supremacy are linked in this way, uh, both sort of in a real present way, but also throughout the history of this organization and the history of our country, right? Mm-hmm. It's so dangerous and, and destructive and, and shameful, right? Yeah, yeah, I think... Um it's um, it's astounding, and it's something that we don't. I think I feel like the the conversations around gun control are so um, sort of stunted on whether or not you are in favor of it or not. And right. you know, I think there's probably more complexity than that in the conversation in in reality. But that's not the reality of the ways that the conversations happen now. Yes. Um, but we don't talk about the history of. Um, you know, stuff like the Mulford Act or, you know, the the ties of gun violence to um, racism yes. uh, and white supremacy and the, and the history of those things. Um, that's not that's not part of the conversation. No. And uh, I wonder what sort of and that's why I appreciated this documentary, what it might mean for some folks to sort of sit and watch this and really reflect on mm-hmm. what has the NRA done, you know, in its time and right. what influence it has played. Um, yeah. What difference that could make. Yeah. Well, I, I also think that the the origins of the NRA are a little bit more nefarious, too, than this documentary mm-hmm. presented uh, in terms of the um, I believe it was I'm not going to speak on that uh, to to any kind of certainty, um, but I, I think there's a little bit more shadiness in their ah. history and in their founding yeah. than um, sort of just marksmanship because okay. it's like marksmanship for what ah, and okay. what's happening in history at those times when it's founded. Okay, uh, those are good uh, maybe questions to look into. I'm about consider. to say let's let's put a pin in yeah. that and look at that. Yeah, all right. Um, I think the the other piece of it, as you think about, um, it just it seems so ridiculous their inflexibility on assault weapons yes um because there's no way that the second amendment was written to include the weapons that we have today yes right like it that was not um the case not at and all. so i that's one of the foundational pieces that for me just seems so um, incongruent is like, yeah, the founders wanted us to all have guns to help protect from tyranny, but that you know what? What were the guns that they had? They had right. single shot muskets yeah, and rifles, like powder. Yeah. Uh, how long did it take you to reload mm. between shots? A long time. Um, and there's no reload time period. You know, if you have a high capacity magazine, anyway. Um, so I can't understand their slippery slope argument of like if you ban assault rifles, that means they're coming next for this, and then they're coming next for this. And some man from a um, a convention was interviewed and was like, "What's next? You coming for my hunting hunting uh, knife?" Knife. I was like, yeah, "What? Knives, what yeah. are you talking about? Right? What?" Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, it's just you know rid- that slippery slope argument to me is r- ridiculous. Um, and I think the the piece that to me is also ridiculous. I don't think that I quite knew this is their, the NRA's work and their lobbying led to the eventual passage of concealed carry laws being passed in almost oh. all 50 States, I believe. Yeah. Um, and then so-called whew, so-called constitutional carry laws being passed in about 20 States. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and constitutional carry is their their branding, the NRA's branding for a law um, that allows basically carrying weapons, carrying guns without any permits or any kind of regulation. Right. Um, which, you know, from a, a shrewd kind of political operation, um, I kind of appreciate the effectiveness of the branding of that. Mm-hmm. Calling something constitutional carry yes. is obviously super effective because it sounds like you make it sound like it's tied to this constitutional document, which, you know, we're all um, educated to revere yeah. uh, and taught to to really believe in. Um, but it's also a farce, yes. right? Because the second or this fundamental right. Yes, the fundamental have, right, yeah. is sacred. Yes. Um, you know, it's also a farce that the Second Amendment guarantees no regulation of firearms um, because the founders had regulation on firearms. Yes. There were there were they had that in the documentary. There was gun control. Uh, laws on the books in the so many 18th them, century right yeah, all and over so the, too. you know i love there was like a sort of an infographic yeah. sort of image video that played that sort of showed um in various states and across the country at the time like all of these laws yeah. that were in place when this began um so like again talking about the learning that happened out of this documentary like there was that piece and then i you know i'm glad you brought up the the lobbying that they've done and what has happened between um you know, these constitutional carries and concealed carry and even going to stand your ground, right? And thinking about what happened with Zimmerman in Florida, right? Like mm-hmm. um, there, to see the evolution of the lobbying and legislation that has taken place as a result of, you know, what the NRA um, has advocated for um, and sort of paid money <laughs> to our politicians to help make happen yep. is wild. Yeah. It's wild. The whole process. Yeah. So I think, um, you know, you just brought this up uh, and it is a nice transition to what I was thinking about um, for our application, if that's all right with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I don't know. I think um, it's this assault rifle piece that really just bothers me to no end. Right. And and I think about the idea of all and looking at a film like this and the totality of the gun violence epidemic that has taken place in this country, right? The mm-hmm. fact that we can't get sensible gun control in this country is really hard for me to fathom. And yeah. it's hard to fathom that we're still, after all these years, having these mass shooting incidents and that are happening on a regular basis. I mean, we talked about Buffalo just a few weeks ago here. And I believe since Buffalo, it's been like 20 some mass shooting, like, yeah. you know, mass shooting shootings in general, um, and, and so many of them aren't getting the, the national coverage that they deserve because yeah. they're just happening so rapidly. Yep. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And we're numb to it. I don't know what it is. It's it's but it's it's mind blowing. Um, and to me, it's particularly mind blowing that we just can't get legislation passed that at bare minimum bans these assault rifles from being purchased and used by civilians. Mm -hmm. One of the folks featured in the film is Senator Jason Crow, and I believe he was ex-military, right? And so he talked about- Out of Colorado, I think. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Um, Being in the military and using assault rifles and talking about how um, assault rifles are killing machines, right? Like when they are used, the outcome is overwhelmingly either murder or just this catastrophic harm and damage Mm -hmm. to- people's bodies um they're designed to to kill people to kill yeah right period Mm -hmm. um and kill people that's actually yes kill people um and so and as you said i just there's no way that that is (laughs) what's protected by the second amendment right and i Mm -hmm. think there's so much at play 
when you think about that and why assault rifles are still here. And I think part of that is, is, is white supremacy plays a role in this too. Um, so I think the application of all of this and, and what this film tried to communicate is like the importance of, of reaching out to our elected officials and demanding sensible gun control, right? So that we, we don't, continue to see these mass shootings happen. I just, I can't, I cannot keep seeing this happen. I can't, and I don't think we should be living in us in a, in a world where we're worried about sending our children to school Yeah, and we mm -hmm. can't go to the grocery store or the library or a movie theater, right? Like, and not be thinking about what could happen, what might happen, what might I do in a situation, right? If someone walked into this space that I'm in with, uh, with an AR-15, I mean, it's just, it's, out of control. So that's sort yeah. of my thinking around application. Yeah. Um, I So my my thinking for application, um, you know, is I think connected. It's it's really recognizing how much these, these choices from the NRA has led us to the statistic that you shared earlier that mm -hmm. Lucy McBath um, shared. Yeah. And she's Jordan Davis's mom, um, who was a, a young black man who was, uh, killed in uh, Florida um, by a vigilante. Um, well, I don't vigilante is not the right word, but um, by a white man. Yeah. Uh, and the U.S. representative, she's now the U.S. representative for Georgia's sixth district. Um, she she said to repeat what you said earlier: twenty five, you're twenty five percent more likely to die by gun violence in the United States than any other developed nation in the world. What does it say about us as Americans if we're just willing to let people die? And I'm glad you brought the full quote from uh, her there. Yeah, because that's how she closed her, um, or that's the question she followed that that statistic up with. Yeah, um, you know, gun violence is so viscerally real, um, and uh, I think people are trying to downplay it as something that that exists um, and trying to say that it doesn't exist to the extent that it does. Um, but it's so hard to believe that because we seemingly have a new mass shooting every day, at yeah. least one new mass shooting every day. Yeah. Last weekend, as we're recording this, it's last weekend, but the weekend of June 2nd to the 4th had at least 11 mass shootings wow. with 17 people killed and 62 people injured. Mm. Thanks for finding the actual data. I was just pulling um, numbers out of my butt. <laughs> and um, that was just last weekend, <sighs> right? A single weekend. Yeah. Um, there was another one yesterday in... Um, Smithsburg, Maryland. Maryland. Yes, I was um, at happy hour and I got an mm -hmm. alert about it. And I was like, hey, well, uh, to my friend, I'm like, this is home. Yeah. This is our state right here. Yeah. Um, so this is, uh, it's constantly in our lives and we could see the ways that these tools of war are being used to murder and maim as many people as possible. Yes. And I think that that's, so that's that's my application. Like it, it, it's in our, it's in our lives every day. It's it's in the news every day that, that, um, this is the, um, these are the seeds, um, or this is the harvest, uh, from the seeds that the NRA has sown, right? Yes. Yes. And I, I, again, I just don't, I think I said this when we talked about what happened in Buffalo, like I don't need any more evidence. Um, and I certainly don't want to see any more folks injured or, or dead, yeah. um, to get to the place where we do something about it. Um, so, um, all right, well, let's talk about homework, uh, mm -hmm. sort of, and what it is that we want to do now. I think, um, you know, 
as I've said, as we have alluded to, there's no doubt about the fact that, and they say this in the film too, that gun violence is, is an epidemic in our country, right? And yeah. so it's it's this real significant pressing danger that has just taken far too many lives. Um, and so I think um, one of the things that stood out to me in the film um, uh, was this idea of activism um, and what folks have done to sort of push back against and advocate for and fight for um, gun control in this country. And and particularly the activism that we have seen and we saw in the film by young people. Um, it was, it, the, the, these young people had some power <laughs> mm-hmm. to make some things happen. Um, and so uh, one of the things I wanna do is, um, I wanna sort of amplify and support the March for Our Lives organization, which yes. was featured in this yeah. film. And um, if I can, uh, this coming weekend, as we are recording on June 11th, uh, March for Our Lives is holding a rally here in D.C., um, but there are like hundreds of rallies happening across the country on the same day. Um, so by the time you're hearing this, that will have already happened. Um, but um, there are certainly other ways to support and get involved with the March for Our Lives organization. So, you know, I would encourage folks to, and I'm going to do this as well, check out their website, which is marchforourlives.com. Um, and again, just see sort of what help do they need? How do we get involved? What um, ways uh, are they encouraging us to do some advocacy work to our representatives um, um, and and make this happen? So um, yeah. shout out to March for Our Lives. Yeah. What about you? Um, well, I, so I want to go back to something you said during, um, application where you're talking and I think it links to what you're talking yeah. about with March for Our Lives, um, where you said, uh, you know, how important it is for us to reach out to our elected officials. Mm. And, um, I think that that is important. And I think it, the time for reaching out to elected mm. officials has passed. Yeah. And so that's why I appreciate your homework here talking about March for Our Lives, um, there are other organizations doing work too, um, of getting people out in the street yes. um, to demonstrate that, um, you know, a few politicians who represent a very small minority of this country who are in the pocket of the NRA are holding back the will of a vast majority of people in this country to pass common sense gun reform. Absolutely. Um, and I think that, um, you know, that's, that's, um, uh, a shame. And yeah. so it's, you know, it's time to be out, you know, beyond emailing and calling people. Oh, like, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think that we, what are the other active ways to reach out to people not to diminish reaching out to people no. uh, and our, our elected officials, cause they need to hear from us. But um, how do we put this in their face um, front and center constantly um, to show that like, we're not, we're not going away. Yep. Um, this problem's not going away because you all have done nothing about it. Absolutely. And so what are you going to do about it now? Absolutely. I think sort of, um, I, I didn't use the language, right, but wrapped in some of that for me is the idea, and I think March for Our Lives talks about this, and some of the folks featured in the film talk about this as the power of voting too, right? Yeah. So it's also this idea that, like, we, we know who is supported by the NRA. I mean, they talk about sort of, they give they that have a, report rate, card. a report card, right? And so it, there's also... Um, as it relates to this, this notion of vote them out, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's time to go, right? Because these folks, as you said, are representing a minority of opinions um, as it relates to this. And so that's why I'm super excited to see um, and to, you know, to see the these rallies happen and to see the, the mass of people out um, demanding this. Um, and here's hoping. 
So yeah. yes, I appreciate your point for sure. Yeah. Um, aside from that, I think my homework is to understand um, like how me personally, but also folks in general, like how, how do we do work to undermine the NRA? Mm. Um, I think that's connected to what you're saying yeah. in terms of, um, you know, understanding what March for Our Lives is doing and, and that kind of thing. Um, Cause there's no legitimate reason why it should exist in the ways that it does anymore and Correct. shape laws and the ways uh, that it has and uh, influence our government and hold people in its pocket um, the way that it has. Um, so, you know, directly undermining the NRA, I think is, um, an important piece of this puzzle too. I love that. Well, and I also want to go back to the pin we put in and let's do some more just research into the NRA and its origins. Cause yeah. now you got me intrigued. So we're right. going to do that. Okay. Um, all right. Well, my friend, you're up next time. Yes. What are you bringing to the table in our next episode? I'm going to do something. I don't think we've done anything quite like this. Okay. Um, I'm going to bring the curriculum developed by project Nia called Prison Industrial Complex 101. Okay. So there's a zine uh, which outlines the aspects of the prison industrial complex and then some facilitation guides for activities that help bring these concepts to life. Um, so I thought this would be a cool thing for us to do um, to talk about sort of the prison industrial complex, which we've done quite a bit here. Um, but, you know, to dive into a curriculum yeah. is cool and to dive into educational, like sort of facilitated learning activities is cool. Cause we do that at work. Yes. Um, so it'll be cool to see like, um, not just to talk about the sort of content, but the, the, um, approaches to how you help people, um, feel connected to these, um, systems or, or see the ways that these systems play out, yeah. um, and through like immersive educational active learning activities. Absolutely. This like how you help people learn and understand it yeah. in a real sort of tangible way. I, I love that. I'm super excited about that. And uh, I know we've been, we've featured some of their work before Project mm -hmm. Nia, right? And talked about it. So um, I'm, I'm thrilled. I cannot yeah. wait. Very good. All right. So with that, we want to thank you for joining us today and for listening to Interdependent Study. Uh, you know what I'm going to ask you to do, but in case you forgot, please follow, leave a rating and review, share our podcast with all the people in your life, follow us on social media, check us out on the YouTube, uh, and sign up for our email list to get notified about any new things we've got going on behind the scenes. Yes, thank you so much for listening. And remember, it's not about us, but it is about us. And we'll talk to you next week.